Hey, it's Adam taking this moment to welcome any new listeners and thank all the returning ones. There's a Patreon running right now to help raise funds and grow this project and have a special tier for patrons that wish to receive quarterly gifts from me personally. Uh, check out more info at patreon.com forward slash wabi sabi podcast. This show is still rather new and a work in progress. And with any new project comes an occasional technical glitch. Uh, this is the case with today's interview. I had to rely on using less than ideal means to record a phone call. So the quality of the interview may be challenging to understand at times. On the flip side, I had a deep and illuminating uh, first-time conversation with a tea friend named Brandon Sadler, a.k.a. Rising Red Lotus. He's an accomplished artist based in Atlanta and this weekend launched the Jade Forest Tea Room as an adjunct art space to offer immersive cultural experiences for the local community down there. We discussed our current views of the expansive tea culture scene, origin stories, and the necessity of intoxicant-free spaces. Here's Rising Red Lotus. I wanted to ask you, like, how you started, you know, with, with Gong Fucha. Like, what was the what was the portal to that? I guess the, um, the like, catalyst was uh, I was kind of going through like a huge um, turnaround, you know, with my life and trying to put away a lot of negative habits that were causing me a lot of issues in life for many years. And most of those were driven by like chemical dependency and, and alcohol and stuff. And, um, you know, so I was like, you know, going to meetings and, and doing the thing. And I guess to some degree that was helping, but it was like, Maybe I wasn't using or, or drinking, but then I was like uh, eating a bunch of sugar foods or uh, reaching to like internet shopping or something like and like you know different little things to kind of um, uh, become new vices, you know. Yeah. And just kind of, I guess, pacify the absence of what I wanted. And so, um, at some point, uh, I was like researching on, on YouTube as I do quite often uh, for different techniques and uh, like art-driven things. And I um, was researching uh, Chinese painting techniques and just, you know, looking at videos and stuff. And then um, one of the videos that came up was uh, about a tea ceremony. And, you know, like, I've seen this before, uh, mostly in the Japanese aesthetic, but I've seen, you know, Chinese tea before. Um, but, you know, it never really, like, picked up in my mind. But I guess for whatever reason, I was, uh, you know, a little bit more primed and receptive to what I was looking at, given yeah. the circumstance. Yeah. And um, I don't know, man. It's like, just, it kind of hooked me. And I started watching those videos, and I was, like, getting into it. And then, like, the next day, I think I went to um, the farmer's market and got some tea. And I'm the type of person that, like, if I get interested in something, like, I, I go all the way in and I, I completely dive deep and obsess over it. And um, that's what happened. And I just started, uh, you know, teaching myself how to how to learn tea, you know, origins and, like, how to process it and how to brew it and all this stuff. And 
um, yeah, man, just kind of caught caught fire. That's amazing. I don't think I've ever heard, um, you know, fellow fellow T person talk about their their discovery phase through YouTube. Like that is amazing. That kind oh, of blows yeah. that kind of blows my mind, like in the best way possible. Honestly, like you could probably learn to pilot a rocket ship on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's one of those things that I stand by it where it's like, it doesn't replace real experience. It doesn't replace, you know, reading some text, but it definitely puts you in a place where if you are ready to um, be diligent and ready to like go in on something, you can completely do that and damage all the content that there is possible. Yeah. And it's, and it's in such a way where it's like, you know, it's programming. So it's like, visually, if you watch, you watch a video, like for instance, uh, wood, woodblock print carving, there's a guy called David Bull, and he's in, in Japan. He's a um, Canadian living in Japan. He's been doing woodblock print making for decades. Anyway, he puts all his videos out there, like the technique process, all this stuff. And I've literally watched those videos each of them probably more than five times a piece. And, I mean, that's better than any master school you can go to. Yeah. You know? And by the time you watch all that stuff, like, it's in you. Like, you, you know how to do it. All you need is the tools. Yeah. And the practice. Amazing. Yeah, so. Do you, um, given that you, you know, as an artist... And calligraphy really seems to be a really big, um, I don't want to say driving force, it's not the right way of saying it, but like in, it's calligraphy sort of influences your work. I mean, your work has like definitely, I, just from my, you know, uninformed um, uh, observation, like it really kind of, it's like a through line. Calligraphy has a sort of through line with your work. And, um, is that something that you came to through school, or was that something you came to through your own interests? Well, um, I mean, I would say it started uh, with graffiti. Like, I came from the school of graffiti. Like, I was a writer before I went to art school, like, before anything. And, um, you know, so I was writing graffiti, and, you know, that teaches you, like, a whole arsenal of things. Uh, not just technically, you know, like technically, I guess, it, you know, teaches you color theory, and, uh, line work and uh, proportion, uh, material, material conservation, like how to how to manage your materials, given whatever you have. And uh, but outside of that, on like a, like a spiritual philosophical level, it's like it teaches you personal identity, personal mythology. It teaches you uh, how to channel your energy into uh, an expressive moment and it teaches you like the impermanence of, uh, like your place on this earth and like how to, how to like achieve the most of, of whatever the moment is. And like, you don't really realize that it, when I was younger doing it, I didn't realize that, but in this mindset, I can't. And so like when I was in, in Korea, like all the like all the stuff that I was researching there it, it connected fully because 
the meditative quality, the like the moment in time, the the permanence and impermanence of, of calligraphy, um, it kind of correlates like hand in hand with graffiti and its philosophy and its techniques. And so everything I had like honed skill wise in graffiti, it started to go over into the calligraphy world. And so now I can like, you know, I can. Um, with the elegance of, of a brush, but then I can still have the same sensibility of what I used to do with the street and bring those two worlds together. Yeah. Wow. What did I mean? That's what one I mean? of my, like... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, please, continue. Oh, um, and that, that's also, like, one of my... Uh, like that's one of the most enjoyable things to me is um what what do you call it uh, synergy yeah where you know you 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 think that arbitrarily you're kind of uh, oh I like this and I'm interested in that and this is what I'm gonna do now but when you get to an age or maybe when you just take a moment to kind of step back and look at it like all the things that you hopefully all the things that you participated in life they begin to weave like a web and, and kind of stack upon each other and they all inform each other and they they work together. Right. There's a there's a kind of a concert of all the interests and expressions that act like or at least maybe may emulate kind of celestial bodies or something and there's a kind of symphonic orchestra I don't know, some kind of movement or orchestration going on where all these things as you say like kind of come like they weave together or they kind of feed one another yeah i believe that yeah i believe that so you know and that's that's kind of where i am now where it's like as a as an artist or as a maker um i my my uh graffiti background informs my calligraphy my calligraphy informs my drawing the drawing informs the calligraphy and the drawing informs the, the painting. Then you have tea in the background of all that, and that's informing what I do with wood. The woodworking is like, you know, allow me to create, like, I build all this furniture, like, it allows me to create the space for the tea. And then now I'm doing ceramics, and that allows me to, like, you know, have vessels for the tea or, or whatever. And, like, nothing is out of place, and nothing right. is, um, you know, outside somewhere. Like it all fits together. Right. Like one of those, <laughs> I don't know what the terminology is, but one of those, uh, the Japanese puzzle boxes. Mm -hmm. I don't know what uh, what the, the traditional name is, but. I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> There's a guy on Instagram that um, makes those things and they're kind of, they're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, so I don't know. That's just uh, I, I'm I'm slowly um, I slowly like uh, began to kind of just appreciate what tea like brings to life, and I didn't really realize it when I first started, and it's slowly starting to reveal itself. I wouldn't even say slowly. I think it's kind of happening pretty quick. Yeah, it's interesting to hear different uh, tea peoples stories of how they um 
how they, you know, how they basically take tea on in their lives, how it, um, not dictates, but just how it, um, how it, how it, how it moves through them, you know, through, through different expressions. If it's a lifestyle or if it's like craft focused, I, I know a few tea people who, um, um, sort of reinforced their tea practice with their, um, with their Buddhist, uh, practice. Um, mm -hmm. and I, you know, I'd say for me, I mean, I'm, I'm not a Buddhist. I'm, um, for me, it's, it's a lot more, I guess, more lifestyle and, and just related to the way, the ways that I've expressed myself throughout my life. Um, mm -hmm. whether it's, um, <clears throat> You know, I had a I had a music background and was like touring and recording as a bass player and percussionist, and um, so I figured. Yeah, I mean, the way I look back at it now, it's like the music influenced um, the tea, and I came to tea at this unique kind of moment. I was like twenty five. Um, I'm thirty five mm -hmm. now, and um, it was at a tea house, and I was like as a percussionist I was in San Francisco going to play or perform uh, at this tea house which I'd never been to so it was it was like it was the portal and the gateway and, and the kind of mecca at the same time it became this this place I would come back to anytime I was in town you know from LA and after like eight months of you know to obsessing over this place and the experience of being there and how it was, you know, that place, it, it was a tea house called Om Shanti. And, um, what was it called? It was called Om Shanti. And this is in LA? It was in San Francisco. Oh, San Francisco. Yeah. Okay. And I was still based out of LA. And so I just like, I would, you know, just come up to SF and perform and, you know, do the whole sort of festival circuit, things like that. And that tea house was the first, it was like the first introduction to, you know, Gung Fu style uh, tea drinking from, from people who, from a really diverse um, and eclectic group of people. It was like the most quintessential like San Francisco type of experience where it's like this amazing, you know, amazingly diverse group of amazing humans who are interacting with each other over this um, foundation of this style of tea drinking. So um, it was like my, my cumulative experiences of being there and befriending, you know, the owner and proprietor and, and almost, almost in a way apprenticing with him um, made me start to pour tea as an homage to my experiences there here in LA, like that was, that was like nine years ago. So, the, so, so far the journey has been like 10 years and oh, wow. in a way so like, yeah. Practicing for, for 10 years and, uh, do you brew by yourself or are you, are you making tea for other people? Or? It's both. I mean, I do a lot, you know, when I'm at home and right now, I mean, I'm just assuming that if you're in your, if you're in the Jade Forest space, I'm assuming you're drinking mm -hmm. tea. Um, I'm drinking uh, actually a, an Ailao, um 
uh, raw pour from Yunnan Sourcing. Actually, it's called Year of the Snake. It's like a 2013 Wild Arbor. Oh, is that the, the where the snake kind of goes? In, is it a red label? Yeah, it's got. Well, it has the red 2013, but then the snake is black. Um, but it just goes around in a circle and. Yeah, I think I tried a sample of that. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. I I love this. <laughs> I've been. It's I've, probably uh, different for you over there. It's like warmer, I'm sure. Yeah, and L, you know, LA stays really warm year round. So, so my, you know, my relationship to to I drink, you know, I drink. I'd say predominantly, I drink puer. You know, both raw and ripe. And mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I'm noticing those are that, the those are the two types of tea that you typically drink. I'd say more more than yeah more than most. I am loving a lot of oolongs you know whenever i get i i get the the chance to imbibe and and to try and experiment with oolongs like you know yanchas and um dangkongs and taiwanese oolongs um green tea most green teas are still like a faraway land to me i'm i I'm really humbled with my, uh, I don't have an aversion to green tea, but I just don't, um, I'm not seeking out a lot of green tea. So I, I mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, the beauty of like even 10 years of, of drinking puers and some oolongs, I still have plenty of life to, ex <laughs> to explore like more greens right. and reds and white teas and things like that. That's the thing. It's like you'll go, um, well, I go on these websites to talk to these people online or whatever, and then I end up buying, like, all these different teas. And then, you know, for an extended period of time, like, I'll probably drink between one and three of the same tea for, like, a good month. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have, like, all these teas, like, stacked up that I haven't even really tried. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I just have to make time for it again you just have to make yeah and they and they sit there and they you know ideally with the right uh you know conditions you know they'll they'll just be ready ready for you when you're ready yeah that's, a, that's such an interesting experience of what am i drinking right now i'm drinking um uh golden water turtle that's pretty good is that a Yunnan source? who's that from uh, it's from Yunnan Sourcing. Uh -huh. It's a uh, uh, Wu Yi uh, Rock Oolong. Wow. I just got a couple of uh, Wu Yi Rock teas from White Two Tea. Mm -hmm. You familiar with him? Uh, by name, I haven't gotten anything from him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm like really writing a lot of his teas right now. I mean, I'll try and send you some stuff. Um, it's really amazing. Puerus. He, he's one of the few people I know of who's, I mean, he's an expat, but he's based there. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's just, a, there's an interesting, you know, alchemy with, you know, while still being a gringo, <laughs> but being based, yeah. but, but being based there and, and having, um, yeah, having a certain kind of an influence and, um, and perspective on, you know, what's being, uh, created there while spending all that time there. It's really interesting. Is he in, in, in Yunnan working with the farmers directly? Yeah. Yeah. He, I think he's, 
I think he's actually this year moving or has moved or is moving to like the Menghai area. He was based in, um, I think it's pronounced Guangzhou. Uh, I think he was based in Southeast China and has now like really focused more like in, in, in actual, I guess in Yunnan area. Um, mm. and has, um, his relationships with farmers or manufacturers, you know, brokers, that, those kinds of, that kind of thing. Mm. And as a brand, he actually takes the position of being kind of, um, you know, sort of mysterious and, and secretive with the actual sources. Yeah, though, like if you check mm. out his Instagram and if you're on Snapchat, you know, like he is, it's almost seems like half the year he's just fucking hanging out like in the forest right there. And it's like, it's such an interesting, uh, it's, it's so interesting to see, you know, that kind of firsthand experience that someone is having like right there in the thick of it. And yet there's also as a, as a brand and the way he markets his brand, uh, he's, um, a certain degree of, of secretive, not proprietary, but just kind mm. of secretive with his, um, with his sources. And there's a kind to me, there's a kind of like, I don't know, like a mystical, <laughs> almost like a mystical, um, component to that where like he, I kind of think he's like, he's like the dead mouse of the tea world. He's also like a faceless brand. And right. he kind of, if he's in, if he's, if he's in public or he's being recorded or photographed or something, he's like wearing a mask or you only see like the back of his hoodie or something. I think that's, a, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. Are you familiar with uh, MF Doom? With what? With MF Doom? Yeah. MF Doom? Yeah. Yeah. He's like MF Doom. He's like, yeah. He's like MF Doom or dead. He's like dead mouse and MF Doom wrapped into one in the T-World. Yeah. Right. Well, I guess, you know, um, I don't know. It's like on one hand, uh, people like uh, Yunnan Sorsen or, um, uh, I don't know, that's probably like my, my go-to, but they, I mean, I, I think to some degree they, they know people are reselling, like that's the point. Yeah. And so it's like, how how uh, transparent are you with your consumer base? Are you like... I'm going, you know, are you making up stories saying I'm going to these farms? Or are you keeping it to yourself and just, you know, reselling and not saying where you get it from? Yeah. And I guess you just got to make that decision. Um, I know for, for myself, like, I like eventually I'll probably resell within this space um, on a small degree. Uh, but I want to, I want to know more about the technical side of the team. Yeah. Just so I can, you know, give people more information. So, um, so more about processing and, and, and growing conditions like terroir. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm learning that. Like, I, I guess just, uh, sometimes when I watch these videos, especially like Scott, like he knows a ton. I mean, he's been, been doing it for years and he goes out there. And so he knows a ton of information. And sometimes I guess, uh, you know, it, it seems like it could be really daunting, um, but I think it all just comes with time and where you're at. And like right now, I guess personally, um, I'm learning uh, more so on the brewing techniques. And I, I, like, I know information about this tea or that, but, you know, I don't think some of the 
some of the terminology I don't think that I possess. And I don't know if I ever really want to, because sometimes it kind of uh, takes away from the experience, I think, and you're dropping all these different facts and stuff, you know? Yeah. To a degree. To I mean, a degree. You should know something. I, yeah, I definitely relate to that. I mean, I it makes me think about... I went. I had a short stint, and as a musician, I had a short stint in music school. But I was mostly an autodidact, you know, guitarist, percussionist, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was my nine months in music school where I was like, uh, uh-uh. when there's too much science and 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 technique that takes over the sort of soul of the thing, then I'm I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. Um, I I even. I even to a degree, and I don't really, I guess I don't really, I don't really um, bring this up so much like in, in conversation with like with tea friends, but I feel like there's a certain, in a way I like how tea can, can um, what's the word here? There's a really interesting spectrum that I experience of tea people in particular, mm-hmm. where the, some, some of us are like more... You know, there's like literally, I mean, I hate to put it into categories, but there's kind of like type A and type B, where, where type A, like a type A individual, you know, it, it may, you know, he or she, they may, they, they may be more focused on um, the size of the gaiwan or tea vessel and to, to the milliliter, the type, the exact temperature of water, you know, you're measuring, you're uh, weighing, you know, the tea to the gram and you're using a timer and all these things. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and there's, and there's, yeah, there's this part of me that is always like, I can't, yes, and there's a way where I'm, I feel like I am a perfectionist, you know, in certain aspects mm-hmm. of my life. And that's mostly just from my own personal cosmology. Um, but when it comes to tea, it's like that's the last thing I want to do is use a scale and a timer, and I want to oh, I want to feel I want to feel as much as I can. It's such a sensory, it's such a time bending experience for me, right? Subjectively, and you know, um, so yeah, there, for for any uh, you know mode of expression or or sort of skill set that you can always like kind of make more scientific I, I always sort of I start to like t- turn turn my back towards and, and keep a keep a healthy distance from yeah it. yeah um, I don't know I think that uh, at least for me I think um, uh, I'm, I, I want to keep it like you say like just being sensory and, and feel and um intuitive and like I'll learn the information as I go um but like my guess I definitely don't want to spend a bunch of time dropping this fact in this term and this thing because most of the time unless you're coming to learn that which you probably already have learned on your own or look for it on your own you don't I mean it's going to take away from the experience like I'd rather develop the the art of, of making the tea to such a degree that we're like you know, explanations aren't really necessary. And if you ask any questions, you know, they could be answered if I know it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, speaking of, I actually just got yesterday in the mail a book by, I don't know if you heard of this guy, Tony Gebeli. 
in, in the in the tea realm. Um, he uh, he um, he wrote a he published What's the name a book. of the book. The name of the book is called Tea: A User's Guide. Okay. And it's a really like non-dogmatic, uh, sort of non-spiritual approach, and like a um. Like I just opened. I just read through the introduction yesterday, and I, I want to get into it because actually, I think I'm going to speak to him this later this month on the podcast, which is really cool. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I you should. You, I think you should check that book out. Like, if you're interested in, in, um, you know, pr- processing styles, brewing styles, from a non-dogmatic approach, that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. And he's based in Chicago, and he, I think he. Uh, like while he's he's big and uh, in the tea realm, I think he yeah he started World of Tea and then it changed into um, the American Specialty Tea Alliance. It's like a group, it's like a membership group that I also just joined as an individual member to just connect with tea people. Um, anyway, but he wrote this book and and he himself is like a CTO. He's like a he has a tech background. So it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, for me, it's like, I've been so, I feel like a, a lot of my tea experience over the last decade has been mostly internal and to now really try and connect with other people through whatever means necessary is, is a, it's a kind of a renewed mission for me. And, um, <clears throat> it's a good mission to be on. Um, and you know, I, I guess you can just, play it by ear and see, uh, you know, how, how, how you want to maneuver in that space, you know, cause sometimes at least from, from where I am, like, I, I'm sure that most of the people that I've encountered and, and I'm going to encounter have either never had tea in this way, um, or haven't even had tea yet and are looking for an experience and yeah. to be open up, up, you know, up to the the experience and so um you know i guess in that way you can mold it and shape it however you you want uh you know as long as what you do choose to to express is coming from a real place and not something you know just arbitrary yeah um like sometimes i i watch um are you familiar with global tea hut yes yeah, sometimes I watch his videos, and the information is is good. It can be a little long winded because I feel like he he uh, really delivers uh, the message of their center um, and you know the philosophy and, and everything. And I think sometimes, um, although his information is valuable, I think that if you were to uh, I don't know communicate in that way to every everybody that came to your space it might intimidate some people sure sure and i yeah i actually took a yeah oh yeah just because like sometimes it you know i think it are like tea in this way already has the the um i guess the the ability for people to think that oh i gotta be like you know a monk on a mountain or i gotta you know I gotta be it's like super formal or whatever, and like they might not know how to find themselves and fit into that space. And I guess if you get into the 
like how you said, like the dogmatic uh, side of things, it could be intimidating. Sure. You know, yeah, I, I think given, uh, yeah, given, given, the, given the mission of Global T-Hut, and they're, you know, they're not sort of hiding, or they're not, not hiding, they're not not saying anything, they're very clear with, with, yeah. the, with the mission, and I've had, um, you know, some wonderful experiences with, with them, with Wuda, um, he comes through L.A., I think once a year and, and um, when he first was first brought here through uh, a mutual friend, Colin, who has a really great tea mm -hmm. company, by the way, it's called living tea and his site is living tea.net. Um, if you want to check out some sort of similar vibe, global tea hut teas um, with, <laughs> without the dogma, I guess. Um, oh yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I should say like, I don't think that, I don't think that their uh, principles and like how they operate is anything wrong with it. Like it's actually like, I've learned a lot from what they have to say. I was just more so saying like, you know, I guess on a broader sense, um, that might be more of a, a curated experience where yes. not everybody might feel like they could fit into it. Uh, uh, yeah. And I'm in full, I'm in full agreement with it. I, I, um, you know, I love, I love what they're doing. I love what they put out. Um, I cherish my experiences that I've had with, I haven't been to the center in, in Taiwan, mm -hmm. but I've done workshops here with Wuda. Uh, I'm in touch with like the growing community of like global tea hut oriented tea people that are mm -hmm. here in here in LA and you know, where, where the sort of like the ethos is the same, the expression is the same, like to a T, you know, it's, it's, um, I'm noticing how, and I'm not saying any of this in any kind of critic in a, in any sort of criticizing way. I'm just like noticing as someone who's, you know, been more internal with it and, and being, uh, being more, I guess in a way I've been more of like, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, like more like an ambassador, like most people that I introduce it to have never, have no context, have never had any kind of that kind of an immersive experience. Um, and yet, you know, with, um, you know, with, with what Global Tea Hut does and, and who, um, I don't want to say who they cater to because they definitely are introducing tea to a lot of people for the first time too, which is wonderful. But it is very much, as you say, a very curated kind of um, tea experience, and I, I don't want to like, I don't want to to uh, you know overuse or or sort of bastardize the term you know dogma or dogmatic, but you know I, it's more like temp template. It's more like a template, and and um, uh, yeah, it very much is a template that exists um, that. Uh, attracts more, you know, conscious uh, mindfulness people, and um, and that that's a wonderful thing. And there's definitely a big need for that. Right. You know? And I I feel like I feel like at this point for me, my desire to 
to have a public space uh, similar to what you're doing with Jade Forest is to have a space to explore to explore the immersive qualities um, of tea. You know, for people who probably don't, yeah, probably have no uh, background with it, and at the same time, like have a couple like like well seasoned people come through and like host stuff as well. And I'm yeah, I'd love to know more about how. You know, Jade Forest, as I understand it, today is, you know, Friday, March 15th. And as far as I understand, you are opening it up, like, right now, this weekend, is like, sort of your first set of, of programs. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, so it's my painting studio. So the, the way that I, I want to treat it is, like, uh, it's where I make my work. It's where, um, you know, I'll... I'll display the work that I create and then I have a, the tea room or the tea space in the room. Yeah. And so I, like a lot of people are familiar with my work here and I, I want to just make a space where they can like be close to it and yeah. see where it comes from. And then, you know, have an experience in it to where not only do I feel more connected to the people who are consuming my work, but they can feel like they had, you know, something to be a part of. And, um, you know, at the same time, I'll continue, like, you know, the, the practice of tea and hopefully open up some other people to it and continue to develop my own self in it. Right now, it's like, I guess you would say, like, an, a dream experiment where, um, you know, it's something that I've thought about for, you know, at least a, a year and a half now. And, you know, now it's like coming to be and I didn't, you know... I didn't really, I, I see, I saw it coming because I planned for it, but I think now, um, you know, the experiment is on. I get to see, like, what it becomes. I really don't know at the moment. Yeah. That's exciting. I mean, that's super. Yeah. It's great that it's an extension of, you know, your, your studio. So you, you know, you get to literally make space for that not just for yourself, but yeah. for other people to come and explore. And it's going to be by, yeah, I mean, it's okay. going to be, is it going to be by like appointment only or is it going to be? Yeah. For right now, it's just to see what it is. Um, it'll be like every week I'll have some, some sort of event and there'll be seats. You know, I can only comfortably sit five. Um, three would be ideal, but I can comfortably sit five. Um, and each one be driven on a different, premise this one is just like the opening so it's kind of like a commemorative thing um but i'd like to do i'd like to do um you know uh like say say it was like a, a oolong journey where i like i put together like a a, a spread of like different oolongs and we went through the tastings of those yeah maybe you know i, I don't know I, I have to figure it out as i go but um yeah something that just kind of bronze it more than just me having tea because I, I definitely um amongst my friends and family like from time to time or quite frequently actually like i served them tea and just to, to see how they like melt away and like how that experience helps them like is is really pleasurable and i enjoy it yeah so that's i mean that's kind of 
kind of the, the, the mission here where it's like, you know, the, like you say, like the tea space is wide open. Like there's not really much of it going on unless like, there's like these little isolated pockets or internet-based knowledge or whatever. And um, Although I went to um, New York and I uh, went to a place called Tea Dealers and I went to uh, Tea Drunk and both of those spaces were really nice. Tea Drunk was more, um, uh, for lack of better words, like uh, about the tea and only tea. So the environment was a little sterile, yeah. uh, but the tea was really good. And the people knew what they were doing. Um, I, you know, I, I sat and made, you know, brew for myself. And that experience was nice. Tea Dealers was a little different. It was like more of a social atmosphere. We sit at the bar. Yeah. And um, they had like a variety of different uh, teas and tea uh I guess like concoctions, like you know, matcha with beer in it, and things like that. Yeah. Um, and that was nice because it's like I got somebody. Um, it's not necessarily a gong fu job, but you know they're brewing, you know, in a small pot or whatever, and like you're drinking small amounts. Um, so it's like taking shots, and uh, you're sitting at the big, at the uh, bar talking to somebody to your right or your left, just having tea. And it, I like spaces like that where it creates a Maybe it's not like super ceremonial or formal, but it creates a, a healthy social environment with tea, and I, I just enjoy that. Totally, I feel like that's actually my my biggest, um, you know, sort of point to why I would even want to host people. Why I guess why I've done, um, you know, why I've done like tea events over the last decade, you know, in LA, where it's like. I was always looking for ways to, you know, having having been even a even a, a performing musician, but not really drinking beer and not smoking cigarettes. Like I'm kind of missing out <laughs> on a lot of maybe either a lot of conversations or just like moments to meet meet people. And so right. I would go to, um, you know, where the events would have me. So it was a lot of like. Uh, art openings, some concerts, um, sort of like art walk type events where it's just like a big community of like galleries and stuff that are, you know, opening up their doors for a night and that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. I was like a one, I was a one man tea operation. I, in a way, sometimes I'd call myself a TJ. And you called yourself a TJ? A TJ. And I would just have, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would just have like one table with like, I don't know, maybe five or eight cushions, always set up, find like the corner, find like mm -hmm. the spine of the room, set up and pour, yeah, pour, you know, a puer, an oolong and maybe one uh, herbal tea and basically create the social atmosphere that I always looked for at events. And, right. and, you know, my sort of implied intention with my space, which I think I'm going to call it Portal, actually. That's sort of my, that's the pop-up name for now. Call it what now? Portal. Portal? Okay. Yeah. Um, I like that. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> it's, yeah, it's just to kind of maintain that sort of, maintain what I understand to be like a historical... Um, through line, which is like the tea house predated the bar, the pub, the coffee shop, you know, 
or like something mm-hmm. something like a tea house. Not that I would necessarily set up my space to be a traditional tea house, because you mm-hmm. know I'm I'm gonna focus it more on like you know retail and gallery type experience, like an immersive experience, mm-hmm. as you as you pointed out with with your space. Um, you know, to invite just a number of people in to have the to have the experience for whatever certain allotted amount of time and do it in that kind of way. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's so, so, I feel like it's so, so important either like from my own personal experience of not really gravitating towards intoxicants, uh, but also for people who are like looking for, you know, an intoxicant free, you know, social experience, like, mm-hmm. That's a huge thing. But yeah, I mean, I think people are really craving that, both like directly and subconsciously. And I think like you, the, the power of tea is that one, it's gonna, it's going to, by its very nature, do what it does. Like it, it has it in it within it. It has the social, it has the spiritual, it has the intellectual, it has the meditative. Like all of that is in it. And so, like whether you say, I'm going to make this a social atmosphere, eventually it's going to hit somebody spiritually. It's going to drive somebody's brain to have a, you know, a deeper thought. It's going to do what it's made to do. And so I guess, like, uh, the one thing that, like, I really value about, say, like, Global Tea Hut is where it's, like, the 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 tea is the teacher or the, or, you know, that kind of thing where yeah, the tea is going to you know it's going to bring you to wherever you need to be. Yeah, the tea, the tea as a vehicle for sure. Yeah, so I really appreciate that, and I think like, um, I think for sure, like making an environment where people feel like they can have an experience that's fun and lively and social, and they can also have on another day, have an experience where it's like, you know, deep and intellectual or another experience where it's quiet, meditative and introspective. And maybe you don't even talk to the people next to you. Yeah. Verbally. Yeah. You know, yeah. Talk, that's, that's yeah. Probably the other things I'll offer, like I'll do, um, I want to find another word for it, but for right now it's like, you know, guided meditation. So, um, the uh, the um, what am I trying to say? So it'll be on some days it'll be like you know just like a a social um, tea session like we'll you know steep out a pot and information can be exchanged. On another day it might be we'll taste different teas um, for the purpose of a person learning what kind of tea they like or you know kind of going in the direction of like how to to purchase it or how to steep it. And then um, another time might be like a, a guided meditation where it's like specifically uh, bold tea and everything's like quiet and I guess more intentional to, you know, be like an introspective environment. And then I guess on other days it might be, uh, you know, maybe we'll go on a trip to the woods. Like I go to a, a, a spot that like parallels the, the river and it's really nice and like maybe we'll just sit by the river and have tea. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I think it'll just take shape. 
Yeah. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. Yeah, in the same, in the same way. How are you on time? I'm fine. I, I, I hope it doesn't um, mess up the, the audio here, but I've been... No, nah, it's okay. Space. Oh, okay. My space is right up the street from my house, so I've been um, yeah. going back and forth. Uh, I had to load some stuff. So yeah. I'm doing fine. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's <laughs> that's the beauty of this, of, you know, like, even just calling... I was like, I was like, I don't know what to call my show i mean i want to talk to everyone about everything and i do want to talk to tea people about tea and like parents about parenthood and entrepreneurs mm-hmm. about entrepreneurial you know shin you know shenanigans and but i was like i don't want it to be perfect so i'm just gonna call it wabi sabi for now because i don't know what to call it and it was like you know it really it's it sort of calling it that and and having a very like you know, the way I approach my tea is, is in the same way. It's like, I'm, I have an intention, but I'm not going to like, you know, manipulate all the factors or all the, mm-hmm. or try and like control, you know, every aspect of it. And it really heals like a certain, the sort of that kind of like inner perfectionist in me. Um, yeah, I think that's a good way to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, like me, uh, I can, I've had all sorts of plans. I've, uh, you know, made all sorts of preparation. Um, and, you know, inevitably something goes on the outside of the lines that I established. And, you know, you just gotta, you know, learn to appreciate it. Yeah. It's not about what actually happens. It's about how you like, how you choose to respond to it or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I, uh, I recently went to a a tea tasting here in LA with a guy named Peter Luong. He has a company called Song Tea. I don't know if you heard of him. Uh, no. What's his his name again? Uh, his name is Peter Luong, but his company is called Song Tea and Ceramics. Is that in, uh, is that in, um, in Texas? He's actually in, he's in SF. Oh, okay. Never mind. I was thinking of somebody else. Yeah. And, and, um, he was, I think he himself actually don't know specifically his origin. I think he may be, um, uh, I think he may be Taiwanese. I should actually ask him. Um, but he was, he brought up something in a tasting that really kind of struck me. And I, I, I don't know, there may be a potential kind of can of worms kind of question. I don't even know if we can really speak to it at any length. Uh, but because, you know, like, because you and I have our own subjective relationships with tea and the culture, and but both being, uh, you know, not being, um, not having any, uh, you know, Asian uh, ancestry, I mean, assuming, I, I personally don't have any Asian, uh, ancestry or, you know, um, he spoke to his experiences of running a tea business, you know, in the, in the U S and he was talking about, you know, his sort of like bold statement was like, 
He's like, I feel like I'm doing this in a way to kind of speak to the sort of rise, like the basically the orientalization of all things, especially tea. And the way he put it was, he was saying, um, like, if if someone is coming into a shop and is having a, a tea experience, then that person may suddenly feel like there's a certain etiquette or certain culture that they need to adhere to that, you know, will have like, you know, hands at the heart center or saying namaste or all these things. And, and his response is like, I'm, I'm not putting that out there. Um, I just, I just want to serve. I want to brew tea and serve it in, in this, uh, certain format. And I'm not, I'm not calling that in. And so the way he brought it up was like, I'm just noticing the, you know, like the orientalization of so many things, especially tea. He's like, when, Mm -hmm when it seems like what he's like what he was doing in that moment was doing a tea tasting in, in like a coffee shop here in LA. Mm-hmm. So, and it made me get kind of self-reflective about it. And I, I don't know. I just thought about bringing it up in this conversation. Like, what do you think? How do you not, how would you respond? But like, what are your thoughts? Some of your thoughts um, regarding the orientalization of tea or, um, I don't know, of, or of other, um, other expressions um, or other experiences. Okay. Um, well, let me think how to say it. Okay. Well, I think the, the fact that cultures, um, travel, and get picked up or interpreted is um, not anything new. For instance, yeah, black culture uh, permeates the fabric of the world, be it through music, fashion, through uh, language, yeah, um, things of that nature. The same with uh, Western culture. Western culture has been pumped into the veins of the entire planet. Um, Eastern culture as well, philosophically, uh, aesthetically, um, things like that. All those things, technology, like all these things, um, they move around the planet, and that's just a natural, that's a natural thing. Yeah. Now, where you run into complications, or when you run into uh, things that may strike question, it, it might be um, how it's being used, how it's perceived, um, the knowledge that you have before you choose to uh, use it. It's like, um, and are you picking up a culture um, and bastardizing it and making it into uh, something that it was never intended to? Are you doing something disrespectful? Do you have information of the the origin of it or at least some element of where it came from are you paying homage to that are you before uh you turn it into something of your own are you making sure that you understand like 
why you're doing this. Um, and all those things don't need to be covered, but I think the main issue would be like, in your pursuit of another culture, are you being respectful of where it came from? Are you aware of that? Yeah. When you communicate to the world, are you, are you relabeling it as something that you created? Or are you, or are you like giving credit where it comes from? Yeah. Now, I guess in terms of like the orientalization where it's like, do I need to be a Zen monk? Do I need to wear um, specific clothes? Uh, you know, I, I think that for the average, well, not the average, because I don't know that, but um, for, for a person of the mindset that uh, I think for you to have the mindset that it's okay to be interested in other cultures and it's okay to find yourself within it. I think if you have that mindset, you don't feel like you need to be that culture fully in order to participate or in order to find yourself in it. But if you're not readily open to receiving other cultures, learning about other cultures, experiencing them, you might think that in order for you to participate, you have to, you have to be the archetype and oftentimes the stereotype of where it came from. Yeah. So I guess it's just like, who's participating? What's their mindset already? And what's their education level in terms of like, dealing with other people and where they come from. Cause like for my own thing, I'm a black man. Um, like I, I come from two different sides of the fence where it's like my mom's black, my, my dad's white. So I know how to exist. Well, for one thing, I can only be a black man. Like I can't be a white man tomorrow. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> Even yeah, though yeah. I have that, yeah. that blood in me. So I guess like, like I come from, a life of being many things and being open to different experiences, sharing those experiences and finding myself in them. And I, I guess you just have to find or people have to find um, their way. And all you can do is like be authentic. If you're, if you're the person like creating the space, all you can do is be authentic to, you know, your intentions and make sure that those have integrity as much as you hold to yourself and the other people, like they just gotta, they gotta find their way. Cause I don't want, when people come into my space, although like in my artwork aesthetically on the surface, it may, it may read, this is, this is all Asian, Asian everything. But I by no means am trying to be Asian. I don't think that you have to be in order to do these things, but I know, I've researched the things that I'm involved in. I've made them my own. And yeah, I just, I, I, I think it's a beautiful thing when you can like, you know, mix cultures and make sure that, uh, the voice is, is there for both, for whatever cultures you mix, you know, and make sure that nobody's being, um, destroyed in the profit. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, thank you for saying all that. I feel like that was really beautifully, beautifully said. <laughs> I used, it's funny, I used to, I used to, th I, I think I used to be self-conscious early, early on in my tea journey, where I was like, 
you know, is there a fine line between appropriation and celebration? Mm-hmm. And and I think the the more time I've spent with it, and the more people I've come in contact with, I was like, no, I don't think that line. I don't think it's a hazy line at all. Um, I think it's very clear, or it may be clear, at least for people who are sensitive and aware, um, when they can sniff out when someone is appropriating something, and and. Um, when then, yeah, I mean, then, yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think, and, and it might be hazy. I don't know. It might be. Um, for for all I know, it could be. I, well, I think that uh, the speaking for myself, I think that the way that I'm communicating tea in general. And even the art forms that I do, I think it does two things. Like it, it expands who I am, it expands my culture and where I come from. And I also think that it brings people, it brings where some of these influences come from into focus for some people. Yeah. Because some people have never been exposed to these things, and if they can be exposed to it through me in a different light, they'll also find a way to where I got my information from. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, as long as you're not hiding from, like, where you got your information, and you're not trying to add, like, you know, you made it all up or something. Yeah. Then I don't think you're appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think people get real sensitive about it, and for, for good reason, because some, I mean, appropriation definitely happens. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. So, I think your your friend feels his feelings are definitely valid. Yeah. Yeah, and he himself, I mean, comes from. Uh, I think a, he's like a second or third generation, you know, uh, tea purveying family, and um, um, yeah. I mean, there's his company, and then there's his family's company. They're called Red Blossom. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're also based in San Francisco, and oh, I've I've uh, I've went to them, uh, Red Blossom Tea Company. Yeah, yeah, I went to them in Chinatown in, in San Francisco. Yeah, I think that's yeah, I think it's his family's his family's company. Yeah, I've I've been to them. They have yeah. a good product. Yeah, they do, and I love their approach and and their their products are amazing, and they've had some great experiences there. By chance, yeah, when, you were, when you were in New York, did you ever hear of a space called Pu'er Brooklyn? I have. Um, I haven't um, been. I haven't. I didn't get to go. Uh, but I follow some of the people that they, they carry ceramics by some of the artists that I, I like. Yeah. And you said you're also. I haven't been. Yeah. Well, next time you. You go there, or next time you're in Brooklyn. It's pretty. It's Check so it beautiful. It's so yeah. I I look forward to every 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 New York visit, and I have to stop by. It's such a great, um, such a wonderful space. It's, a, it's sort of a multi-dimensional space. That's why I, what I really like about it. Mm. Um, and the proprietor yeah. is is, one, is absolutely lovely. 
And I, I mean, back to the culture thing, I think that those are very valuable questions to ask yourself. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I mean, I, I just, I do think it's important because especially when you have people that like, like you say, his family has been doing this for generations. Um, he's got some things invested in it, you know? So I guess it's like, how can I assist you know, by default, how can I assist his family's legacy yeah. through my practice and, you know, patronage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really comes down to, like, a framing, you know, framing and self-awareness and 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 even in a larger, and even in a macro sense, like, going back to, like, one of the first things you said in this conversation about how all the all the modes of expression uh, start to um, weave together and support one another. Right. All comes back <laughs> full circle. Yeah. So I don't know. I didn't even. I didn't. Um, until you said Red Blossom, I didn't know who you were speaking about, yeah. but I definitely um, yeah. bought, bought from them in person and uh, online. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, now I wish I was like, you know, coming to your space tomorrow. I want to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at some point, um, you know, if I find myself in LA before you find yourself in, in Atlanta or vice versa, um, we should definitely link up. Yeah. Yeah, please come yeah, come over. And if I have my space up, I'll definitely let you know. Um, how's it how's the response been with, you know, getting ready for, you know, for the first event? Like do you have like um, seats booked pretty, up? Yeah, pretty good. Uh both sessions have sold out. Um which is good. Great. I think that um I think that these first two sessions will let me know how to move forward, um, you know, just in terms of functionality, because there's, there's things, like, when people start spending money, like, it's different when my friends come over here and, like, I serve them tea, but when people start spending their money, you want to make sure that, you know, you're giving them what they didn't know they needed. And um, hopefully I can do them a good service, and we'll just see how it goes. I think I will, but... Yeah, yeah. Yay. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm excited about it. Um I have uh I have all these like drawings and stuff. Because initially it was like this really grand um thing where I was gonna build this uh like it was like a like a huge space and in the center of the space it'd be like Basically, like, the tea room is within the space, and it has, like, water cascading down the sides of it, and, like, yeah. all, like all this, like, it's really beautiful, but, you know, um, this will be uh, step one, like, phase one. Phase one, yeah, totally, like, mm-hmm. tabula rasa, yeah, so. clean slate. Well. Yeah, so, from here, from here, I'll see what it does. Yeah. Well, I wish you an amazing, amazingly uh, exploratory first weekend. Thank you. And I really appreciate it. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I, yeah. 
I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm jealous. I want to be there. <laughs> um, and, yeah. and again, thank you for, you know, the, the quick reflection, the spontaneity and the openness to, you know, meet each other in this discussion and, um, and for the inspiration to, you know, pursue, you know, pursue a similar, um, uh, space to express and to have people come in for the immersive and um, I look forward to yeah if not the next conversation maybe the, yeah the next time we can drink tea together nice yeah I'm sure the, uh, the portal is not that far away yeah great man well yeah let me know let me know when everything uh, goes on the site and I'll uh find a way to, I guess Instagram won't really let me play the whole thing, but I'll figure out a way to um, let people know. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope it wasn't too difficult or challenging to hear the interview at times. Again, I hope uh, after this mercurial season, uh, I'll be able to squash all these technical difficulties as they come down the pipeline. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast, and if you're feeling it, please leave a review. Um, I welcome any and all feedback. And again, please check out the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash wabi-sabi podcast. That's W-A-B-I-S-A-B-I-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Thanks.